Hello. Hi. I'm Shannon. I'm Emma. And welcome to This Podcast Doesn't Exist. You're not allowed to do finger guns. Oh, you're right. I always forget. You're not part of the alphabet mafia. I'm not. I better holster those and hand them over. Yeah. Yeah, here we go. You're under arrest. <laughs> flashes, flashes badge. <laughs> For the bit. If you're confused or other things, that was a visual bit, which you can follow along with on our bingo card. A bingo card. Why do we have a bingo card? Well, because we have a podcast and we have a lot of inside jokes and bits because we are two best friends who host this podcast together. And we still have not written an intro ever. Did, I love this. You did it completely backwards. backwards. <laughs> Look, because so I started explaining and then I was like, oh, they're going to be confused. Why are we two potential strangers talking into microphones? But we're two best friends and we have a podcast. We actually know each other quite a lot. And a bingo card. And uh, you find the bingo card on our website, which is what, Emma? This podcast doesn't exist. Dot com. Dot com. Dot com. Wow. Um, you can write in to us from there. Mm-hmm. You can follow us on pretty much every social media platform. We're most active on Instagram and TikTok, I yeah. would say. But you can follow us the other places. And, you know, we've got transcripts. We've got all the episodes. You can play them in a browser or you can stream them on your podcatcher of choice. Podcatcher. That's what they say, right? Is that what it is? Yeah, that's what they say on podcasts. Back when I listened to podcasts, I love it. I've, I've, so I listened to quite a few podcasts. I, she does every time I get I in do. her car. Yeah, her phone auto starts another podcast. A podcast. It's, it, yeah. I don't know what it is about my brain that just needs that kind of like. I need, I need talking. I need people to be talking. Because you work remotely from home with just your dog and your yeah, cat. That, well, so you okay, need that's to a great be around other people. <laughs> Correct. That's a great explanation. But I've never heard. I've never heard podcatcher as a oh, phrase i don't know so i don't know maybe i made it up i mean if you did great tmtm <laughs> yours now it's mine now any other housekeeping or other stuff you want to tell the people no before we get into it today? i think i think i'm ready to just dive right in all right well just a free content warning <laughs> for today for some violence and murder <laughs> violence and murder <laughs> What, you mean, it took me, it took you, me need, you need subtitles now? What's happening? <laughs> For a minute, I didn't know you said violence. <laughs> wow. Anyway. Violence. Violence. And murder. Murder. Well, then we're just going to get right into it for today. Uh, today's episode takes us back to the 1980s. Oh. When a series of brutal murders shocked the city of Los Angeles. Oh, Cal- no. California. Oh, no. In case you were confused. This is the story of the Swatch Watch Killer. The, I, I have never heard of this. No? I thought you were going to say Smiley Face Killer, and I was like, that isn't just in California. Nope. Alrighty. So I, I have no clue. Great. I'm very excited. Excellent. On February 15th, 1984... The body of 23-year-old Samantha Richards was discovered in an alley in downtown L.A. She was strangled with a ligature and her face was covered in bruises. Samantha had moved to the city, City of Angels, as so many people do, to pursue a career in film and television. Her luck, however, had not come through. She had been auditioning consistently but had not had any success. 
She ended up posing for some lower budget and perhaps low taste photo shoots to help make ends meet. Though she kept this portion of her journey from her family back in Ohio, Samantha did speak to them every week or so and even received their help with rent. The police had few leads and the case went cold for several months. Aside from her obvious injuries and the hidden location of her body, nothing specific marked Samantha's murder as anything but an all-too-frequent tragedy. Mm. Then, on October 27, 1984, the body of 25-year-old Janelle Vinco, Vincow, I'm not sure, was found in her apartment in Hollywood. Janelle was a California native who was employed as an admin assistant at Warner Brothers Studios. She lived alone, but her body was discovered when her boyfriend, Mikey Halloran, returned from an out-of-town film shoot for a surprise visit. Oh, that's so sad. She had been brutally stabbed to death and her throat was slit. Halloran was initially investigated as a suspect, but his alibi working on the set was rock solid. Uh, Yeah, poor guy. Upon further questioning and investigation by the police, a potential lead was finally discovered. The killer had left behind a distinctive calling card, a swatch watch that did not belong to the victim. When police reviewed open and cold case files of recent victims in the area, they revisited Samantha Richards' case. As a popular brand at the time, finding a victim wearing a swatch, so named because they were marketed as a secondary watch. Did um, not know that. That's so silly. But they were popular, so finding a victim wearing one was not suspicious in its own right. Dubbed, quote, the fashion equivalent of Beanie Babies, the brand was both popular and in some cases coveted. Apparently, people would don costumes in an attempt to come back to the store because there was like a, you were only allowed to get so many. So they would go and they would get a watch and then they would go and like put on an outfit and go and get another one because they did like limited releases with like artists. They did a collaboration with like, oh my God, what is his name? Mark Herring with like the... Keith Herring. Keith Herring. Keith yes. Herring. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was a response to a quartz shortage of some kind. And basically, like, they were able to make it, it like, saved the Swiss, Swiss watch industry because they were able to do these, like, plastic, yeah, less fancy watches. Yeah. But the idea was, like, you don't own just one scarf or one tie. So no. it was, like, so the idea of this, like, watch? secondary, yeah. like, fashion watch versus, like, a Rolex or a whatever. Yeah. It was, like, you got a really nice watch and you wore it your whole life. Like, it was your your thing. So. Interesting. So, anyway, they were very popular. I, I have a vague recollection of my mom having something like this. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure, you know, it's 80s. So that makes yeah. sense that she would have something. So I don't know. I'll ask her. I'll see what she says. Well, they were popular, like, through the 90s, so that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't unusual in itself. Yeah. It's possible that the victim would have had a swatch of their own. Yeah. But neither Samantha nor Janelle's crime scenes had one of the very sought-after ones that, like, the artist collabs. Like, not one of the really fancy ones. Both were fairly basic models. One was in black and one was in navy. So, again, very, like... 
basic basic not noticeable it, it was only the specificity of the brand name in samantha's case uh or crime scene report that led police to the possible connection so i guess they were like interviewing the boyfriend or like friends of janelle to see if there was literally anything it must have been just like a, well she hated swatches or like something yeah they didn't explain but they just said like after questioning that mm. They were able to be like, oh, that wasn't hers. So why was it like on her body kind of thing? And then like whoever had typed up Samantha's report, you know, her like autopsy or the crime, yeah. like they specifically wrote it down. Instead of being like a Navy watch, they were like a swatch. So they were able to like hmm. search the database, I guess. When they analyzed both watches more carefully, they were able to pull several partial fingerprints from the plastic surfaces. When compared, there appeared to be some continuity, but nothing that could be decisively concluded. Which that's annoying, story of our lives yeah. kind of can't be helped. Yeah, the media caught wind of the story, always eager for odd cases, and dubbed the mystery criminal the Swatch Watch Killer. Okay, there. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, first of all. Swatch watch feels like ATM machine to me. <sighs> I hate that. That and pin number. Yeah. Drives me up a wall when people say it. Yeah. So that in and of itself, no thank you. But uh, I, I understand the need to like have three words. I guess. You know? Yeah. Because having something in, in, in threes is going to read and feel and flow better. Yeah. But also, um, let's stop naming murderers yeah well this was the 80s i know that's true luckily i don't think we deal as much with like mystery serial killers nowadays as much yeah it's just people that we know because they have guns and they walk into places anyway moving right along um it's a lot more video surveillance now that that also and social media. Yeah. And there's like everyone puts their face Google everywhere. Google searches. It's really hard to do anything in secret. Yeah. A wave of fear swept through the city with parents urging their children to leave their fashion watches at home and retailers fearing <laughs> a dramatic dip in sales. I, I don't mean to laugh. I'm just thinking through the Some like 15-year-old girl with a pink watch and they're like, don't wear it because someone will think you're a murderer or they're going to murder you or something. Like that doesn't – it's a weird line of logic. We control what we can. And that I understand and that is totally fine and definitely whatever makes you feel comfortable. I should should not laugh at it. Yeah. However, the line of logic is just (laughs) interesting. Well, I mean, what was the – like after – whatever ha- like eight people were sick or died after someone tampered with tylenol and yes. then like people didn't take tylenol for like however long and that's why we all have tamper proof yeah lids on medicine now yeah so i mean and that's fair also like that's a, that it, there's one of those it's like a complete mystery that we should definitely do because oh. while yes it resulted in tamper proof bottles for medicine they don't actually know who did it oh my gosh really yeah so that's an interesting I forgot one. that part. Yeah, me too, until just now. <laughs> Surprise. Swatch, as a brand, never commented publicly on the case. I feel like I wouldn't either. <laughs> yeah, you're like, mm. They're like, it's just two. And we're very popular. So 
Police, or the police, formed a task force to investigate the murders, but they had little to go on. The killer seemed to strike at random, and there was no apparent connection between the victims. Except maybe, like, one of them worked at a film studio and one wanted to be an actor, but I feel like those are both so common in in the area of Hollywood and L.A. that, like... You can't really connect people I feel like you could throw a pebble and hit an actor. (laughs) Like... Shannon and I just sitting on a L.A. street throwing little rocks at people going, you an actor? We wouldn't be able to, though. People don't walk in L.A. Unless you're in like a very like the uh, spots where they go to be photographed. Yeah. The task force, however, soon received a break in the case. Ooh. Well, kind of at least more information. Uh, In March of 1985, The body of 32-year-old Patty Higgins was discovered in her home in Burbank after no showing for her job as a flight attendant. Ooh. She had been strangled with a ligature, and her body was posed in a sexually suggestive manner. The killer had left behind a more generic swatch watch, just as in the previous murders. As before, police were able to pull partial prints from the watch in question, but were not able to conclusively match the prints to either of the other swatches or anything in the database. It felt almost as if the killer was taunting law enforcement, leaving just enough to give hope, but no actual assistance in solving the case. But the police now had a bit of a pattern to work with. They believed that the Swatch Watch killer was a sexual predator who targeted women who lived alone. The killer was also very careful not to leave any physical evidence at the crime scenes. The differing methods and murder weapons in each case made it difficult to connect the killer to other possible victims who were found without the trademark Swatch Watch at the scene. Right, because as any of us know who have watched Criminal Minds... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Most people don't just start off with murder and like a, a and a gimmick, basically. No. Like There's an they start right with smaller crimes, assaults, to kind of like figure out their thing. But without the swatch, unfortunately, there are a lot of crimes against you know people, but especially women. Um, so you know they weren't able to further build out the profile. Yeah. Without fingerprint evidence or physical evidence or. You know, a consistent murder weapon or anything like that. And I mean, they're probably hoping at this point that this is the, like, final escalation point for this person. Right. So that then they have the ability to create that kind of profile should they strike again. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's like how the Golden State Killer started as just, like, a B and E. Mm -hmm. Like, just breaking in to break in. Yeah. And then it turning into horrific acts of violence. Yeah. So the task force worked tirelessly to track down the killer, but it seemed that he had vanished without a trace. Grand, and we say he because we're assuming, but yeah, we don't know. We don't know. But even though the not, li- all, the not all men, but mm, there's enough to make us question things. There's a, the likelihood <laughs> of it being a male perpetrator is higher. Yeah. When this is the kind of when this is the way that people are being killed. Yeah. The police interviewed hundreds of suspects, but no one seemed to fit the profile. The Swatch Watch killer had become a ghost, and the people of Los Angeles 
lived in fear of his return. As time went on, the Swatch Watch killer case was eclipsed by other cases and some of the most notorious unsolved, at the time, mysteries in the history of Los Angeles, such as the Night Stalker and the Golden State Killer. Despite the best efforts of the police, the Swatch Watch killer had managed to evade capture and disappear into the shadows. Over the years, there have been many theories and rumors about the identity of the Swatch Watch killer. Some believed that he may have become a serial killer who was active in other parts of the country, while others think he may have died or been incarcerated for another crime. The case remains open, and the police continue to investigate any leads that might arise. One would imagine that it would be a fairly obvious connection or copycat if swatches started popping up at crime scenes again in the 2020s. Yeah. Because they still exist, but they're not as popular. Yeah, I can't imagine. It's important to note that the Swatch Watch killer's murders were incredibly violent, with the killer inflicting a significant amount of brutality on his victims. The police believe that the killer may have had a background in law enforcement or the military, given his level of sophistication in committing the murders and evading capture. In addition to leaving behind swatches, the killer also left behind other clues at the crime scenes, such as the smattering of fingerprints we previously discussed. However, despite advances in forensic technology, the police have been unable to identify the killer. Mm. Do you have any thoughts? Well, with the fingerprints thing, it makes sense that now if they have the technology that they're using on these kinds of cold cases... If the person never had their fingerprints taken for any reason and they died mm-hmm. before ever needing, like anyone ever needing to take their fingerprints for any reason, there's no way to really. We gotta find start. That person. T- I I think we should have to fingerprint all dead people. I feel like before we put them in the ground or in the fire. I don't. I don't know why. Just just in case. Here's my here's my thing when it comes to having biological data on people in general there's a lot of people who are really adverse to having like to doing 23andme and like doing like dna testing and stuff Mm -hmm. and i'm sure alex has some bigger thoughts on this because he's you know a bit more cerebral about this stuff but this is my like i mean he won't even come on our podcast so (laughs) he's a little more private yeah but like having it so like the people who are like i don't want the government to have my dna Okay, they definitely already know what you look like because you have a driver's license. They do, right. And they know everything about you because they have a Google search history for you. And all of your medical records, if they ever needed to... If they they need to subpoena them or whatever. There's there's a possibility for that. I mean, I'm sure there's some HIPAA things that they can't get past, but at the very least, they can figure out your blood type. Like, that kind of thing where I'm like, I don't understand the, like... Well, I'm not going to give them my DNA to test. They're going to do something with it. What would they do with Whatever, it? Whatever, dude. <laughs> and if it if it's one of those things where you're afraid of being framed for uh, something, like some kind of crime. What's up, Carl? Why is that in your brain? Huh? Exactly. If you think that you have the possibility of someone framing you for a crime, that says more about, about your, your behavior than it does about the government who right. I guarantee you does not care. 
They've got other stuff going There's on. There's too much else happening. You are a yeah. little ant. <laughs> Truly, Carl. You are insignificant. I, in this instance, yes. But, like, so that's my thought process when it comes to, like, the, the biological, like, data stuff. So I don't see the reason why it is so... I mean, I, I mean specifically, America has a very strong individualistic yeah, desire, mentality desire they to don't like we care about ourselves and i care about my rights my guns and the greater good can go sit down and it's the like if i don't give you permission you do not have permission great okay that works in the situation of someone touching you or being in your general proximity it doesn't necessarily work for being a general citizen i'm like here's my thing i don't plan on committing i don't crime. plan on committing murder so take my fingerprints take my dna i don't plan on having children but if my dna can help you track down some second cousin exactly. whatever that's down the line after i'm dead that's causing problems well yeah i'm I, help and I mean, i'm gonna help i don't know i from the, from my standpoint as a i it's also is probably a privileged standpoint from being a white female, mm -hmm. middle class, I don't necessarily have any reason to fear my biological data being yeah. in some kind of database. I don't. Well, mm. So, like, I mean, there are specific other things that, you know, I, I shouldn't be. But I, I have a lot of questions about the government and... <laughs> you're that little frog <laughs> why are you why are you angry today is your tummy upset yeah anything else i'm mad at the government <laughs> i'm mad at the government i mean i am i listen to a it's not a podcast but it's like an audio version of a newsletter um called abortion every day and it makes me very upset um every night while i do my dishes and honestly Certain people, my father and other conservative humans, would probably be like, oh, you're being dramatic, you're being whatever. If I were to say I'm concerned about the government having um, uterus owners' uh, d DNA on file, but, uh, you know, I think it's Iowa has passed a an abortion trafficking law that if a teenager is taken out of state by someone other than their parent to receive abortion care that person that helped them can be put in prison for two to five years um so they're restricting travel and it's not going to stop there but anyway the newsletter is on substack it's by jessica valenti she's a reporter she's very talented so if you like to get mad about things but stay informed because complacency will be the death of all of us anyway <laughs> Um, also, if you have feelings about whether or not you want the government to take your fingerprints when you're dead, write into the podcast. This podcast yeah. doesn't exist at gmail.com. I would I would genuinely love to hear what your thoughts are. Even if you disagree any, with us, exactly. that's totally I, fine. I, I, that's the thing. I want to know what these perspectives are beyond I'm afraid of them framing me for something or they're right. going to use it against me because those are the only arguments I've heard. Yeah. Because I don't necessarily see a reason beyond... I distrust the government. Yeah. But it's also through, you know, I, I don't know. It's so, yeah. I, we I didn't, agree. I didn't prepare Emma for this. Uh, she did not. 
philosophical discussion. Exactly. I was like, psychological discussion? I mean, kind of, but philosophical. But yeah, this the thought experiment of like take all of it like i don't like if, if it helps if it helps you find whatever my long lost uncle the great uncle so and so who do did bad something. stuff exactly like i as that, long as you great. get consent so it's not a henrietta Lacks oh absolutely situation. no it, it is a th- that's the other thing is like it needs to be permission but like you yeah need, you which need again to, it can't be forced as two white women we come from a lot of privilege of historically not being targeted by medical and governmental entities to be experimented on without our consent exactly but the government anyway hopefully um, with it being 2023 we can you know try and or at least start with an opt-in system because i feel like if people start to see like oh this helped us find killers or like solve crimes 50 years from now like and i know that the, i know it's increased the next generations will be willing you yeah. know what i mean because that's know, the it, thing it's like it has if a criminal dies and hasn't been tagged any like we're never gonna know yeah well th- so now if you are i mean obviously fingerprints but the dna side of things i don't remember i think it might be federal i don't think it's in state prisons but i think in federal prisons they're required to take dna Mm. samples now for that reason purely so i appreciate that yeah because that's definitely going to help you know for the people who are in there for murder yeah and for sexual assault and for all that kind of extremely bad stuff Um, yeah (sighs) anyway that was I, our, now that I'm was like, soapbox. And now I'm like, I got to go update my will to make sure that they take my stuff just to set a good example. <laughs> Freewill.org. Emma still doesn't have a will. I don't. You and Alex need to get it together. We really need to get a will. What What would happen to the Pennington monster if something happened to you guys? Honestly, what I'd probably end up doing is giving her to our parents. Fair. To my parents. My well, parents you got to put that in writing. I do. And probably <laughs> probably Squid would go with them too. But I mean, that's also something where my mom would probably be like, I mean, I will take care of this <laughs> for animals and for a dog. you because I love you and I'm sad you're gone, but it could have left darn me it. money. Like, <laughs> you're like, uh, no. No, I have none. Sorry, mother. Um, okay. Sorry to sidetrack, but no let's worries. put the soapboxes just to the side. Fine. <laughs> Does yours fold up <laughs> so you can take it with you? <laughs> it's like one of those stools yeah. that pops out, like uh, the handyman, the trans Mercury handyman. Stardust. I love her. Oh, she's she, got her little boop. She went live the other day, and I happened to cross it on TikTok, and she was explaining to somebody how like the best way to fill the holes in your in your wall, and she made some kind of joke of like, and that's, my friends, how you fill a hole. <laughs> and I was like... I love Hill, you. Hill. I'm going to need that because I'm putting up a lot of art in my apartment. I think she has she has like an Finally. actual like. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, sure. It's in there somewhere. Aside from the idea that the killer might come from a military or law enforcement background, there is one very significant theory. Oh, goodness. Okay. Let me. Do I need to buckle in for this? That, uh, no, no, I think it'll be fine. Okay. I'll just grip the seat. Well... <laughs> That theory is that this entire case is fake and was written by a chat AI. <gasps> That's why I haven't heard about it? Yeah. 
I, I mean, that's better than you being like, I think I've maybe heard of this case, but remind me. <laughs> Emma is I'm just so sitting. Angry. <laughs> I am going to talk a little bit, but that's not the end of the podcast. Uh, beyond doing my podcast research for me, AI can be used for many things. Uh, from drafting cover letters, sourcing recipes, or, according to the recommendations on the one I used, even helping you plan a 10-year-old mermaid-themed birthday party. Nora, we're coming for you. <laughs> but some people are very hesitant about the technology. <laughs> this, um, is, this is the most meta thing ever. <laughs> I'm so angry right now. It's so meta. <laughs> I broke Emma, you guys. Uh, this whole time i was like keep it keep it this is sad you did it so this well this is sad you did it so i'm so angry like i'm so happy <laughs> this is so good i'm so proud of you thank you this is like amazing but i'm so i'm so mad. no wonder i didn't motherfucking hear about it <laughs> i'm so angry right now <laughs> i'm crying got her Oh my gosh, how the turntables. <laughs> Emma's crying now. <laughs> I will say. It took way too long to settle into my body that this is what we're talking about. <laughs> um, I will say that uh, the chat AI gave me the general situation, but I added more details so that it would seem more believable. <laughs> Well, and it's initially, it gave me, it wa- initially it wanted me to say that it turned out to be Richard M- Ramirez, the night, oh, soccer. the night soccer. But then I was, I was like, could you change it to make it the case is unsolved? So they like went and redid it. And I asked for it to be 20 minutes long. I don't think it was 20 minutes long as it came out of the AI, but, but now we're going to talk about chat AI and, uh, artificial intelligence and people have concerns about that emma's never going to trust me again (laughs) (laughs) when i told i i did give i told erica and Brittany that i was going to be doing this and one of them was like now you just need to play a new fun game where every however many episodes you'll do like a chat ai one and see if emma can figure it out like at the end we we ask her if it's a real case or a fake one because i think we do like obviously some of the things we do are kind of big ticket items that we've heard of before but half the time you'll you'll be like so this person disappeared and i'll be like well i've never heard of them before so let's listen to their story so like i feel like you know what i mean do you need to take a break are you ready to talk about ai no we can do it i just i i do i do want to (laughs) say if you do do that to me where you like do a handful like every every four three or four months or something you pop up another one i guarantee you i am not gonna realize it until you ask me at the end is this real or is no? This I'll just AI? ask you every single episode. I, I know, but it's gonna it's gonna be that moment of panic for me where I'm gonna be like, because I want to be right, <laughs> and if I get it wrong, I'm gonna feel like an idiot. But I'm also going to feel like the AI is going to take over. Wow, which is on that. I'm topic. sure what people are afraid of: artificial intelligence and nanotechnology. 
were named alongside nuclear war, ecological catastrophe, and super volcano eruptions as, quote, risks that threaten human civilization in a 2015 report by the Global Challenges Foundation. The report also warns of the risk that, quote, economic collapse may follow from mass unemployment as humans are replaced by copyable human capital, unquote, and expresses concerns at the prospect of AI being used for warfare. Quote, an AI arms race could result in AIs being constructed with pernicious goals or lack of safety precautions, unquote. She's so mad at me, guys. <laughs> still, I'm still processing. It's just... <laughs> I don't, and I'm also, I'm not mad at you. I'm just like, this whole, like, I, I was, I was on a journey. You were. And it ended abruptly. It's like that, it's a, it's a rail, it's a, it's a train falling right off of the tracks into <laughs> a ravine. I'm so sorry. I tried to bring us to, no, to no, a I'm gentle close no, it of is, the case. It's, it's doing, it's doing what we're, we're having a soft landing. It was just the initial like, <laughs> Okay. Existential risk from artificial general intelligence is, quote, the hypothesis that substantial progress in artificial general intelligence could result in human extinction or some other unrecoverable global catastrophe, unquote. Jeez. That's from the mother source. Jeez. The existential risk or X-risk school argues as follows. The human species currently dominates other species because the human brain has some distinctive capabilities that other animals lack. If AI surpasses humanity in general intelligence and becomes super intelligent, then it could become difficult or impossible for humans to control. One of the earliest authors to express serious concern that highly advanced machines might pose existential risks to humanity was the novelist Samuel Butler who wrote the following in his 1863 essay, Darwin Among the Machines. Quote, The upshot is simply a question of time, but that the time will come when the machines will hold the real supremacy over the world and its inhabitants is what no person of a truly philosophical mind can for a moment question. Unquote. Many researchers believe that a superintelligence, many researchers believe that a superintelligence would resist attempts to shut it off or change its goals, as such an incident would prevent it from accomplishing its present goals, and that it will be extremely difficult to align superintelligence with the wide breadth of important human values and constraints. To which I said, see also Avengers Age of Ultron. See, my brain said house mom or whatever that, or smart house. Smart house. House mom. Smart house from D the days of. Decom. Let's watch a Disney Channel movie. We're gonna watch a Disney Channel movie. That's what my brain said. Great. She doesn't, she doesn't want you to leave. She doesn't. She wants to keep you safe. Exactly. In 2022. A survey of AI researchers found that some researchers believe that there is a 10% or greater chance that our inability to control AI will cause an existential catastrophe. And this was more than half of the respondents of the survey, which had a 17% response rate. Yeah. So okay. the AI researchers were busy, I guess. But I guess. Some pretty big names are also concerned about the possibility of... Artificial intelligence yeah. growing out of control. 
Speaking at MIT in 2014, self-appointed Twitter demigod Elon Musk called AI humanity's, quote, biggest existential threat and compared it to, quote, summoning a demon. Whoa. He reiterated those fears in a 2018 interview with Recode. Quote, as AI gets probably much smarter than humans, the relative intelligence ratio is probably similar to that between a person and a cat, maybe bigger. I do think we need to be very careful about the advancement of AI, unquote. Enter chat GPT. <laughs> right. <laughs> we are just meow. We are cats. We are meow. Meow. <laughs> During a 2016 Wired interview of President Obama and MIT Media Lab's Joy Ito, Ito stated, quote, There are a few people who believe that there is a fairly high percentage chance that a generalized AI will happen in the next 10 years. But the way I look at it is that in order for that to happen, we're going to need a dozen or two, a dozen or two different breakthroughs. So you can monitor when you think these breakthroughs will happen, unquote. Obama then added, quote, and you just have to have somebody close to the power cord. Right when you see it's about to happen, you got to yank that electricity out of the wall, man, <laughs> unquote. Oh, dad. I miss having a, an affable but effective president. That's so funny. In his 2018 posthumously published book, A Brief History of Time, renowned scientist Stephen Hawking's views can be summed up as follows. It will either be, speaking of AI, mm. it will either be the best thing that's ever happened to us or it will be the worst thing. If we're not careful, it very well may be the last thing. In February of 2023, Jeffrey Hinton, often called the godfather of artificial intelligence, left his job at Google, where he worked for more than a decade, to be able to talk more freely about the dangers posed by the new technology, he told the New York Times. Hinton said that he now regrets having devoted his career to this field. Quote, I console myself with the normal excuse. If I hadn't done it, somebody else would have, unquote. Mm. In Hinton's view, work in this field should be halted until it is well understood whether it will be possible to control AI. Quote, it is hard to see how you can prevent the bad actors from using it for bad things. Hinton said in the interview, in which he warns about the excessive speed at which advances are being made. Following the publication of the interview, Hinton clarified on Twitter that he was not leaving Google to criticize the company, but to be able to talk about the dangers of artificial intelligence without having to worry about the impact that those opinions would have on the company where he worked. Quote, Google has acted very responsibly, he added. The Wikipedia page linked in the show notes does a great job of getting into the nitty gritty of the concerns and various arguments for mitigation. If you're interested in learning more, to be honest, I was just doing this for the bit of <laughs> surprising Emma. Um, but you can learn all about the science-y concerns. Well, and I, I, I mean, at least from my standpoint where I'm at, I'm like, I don't, I don't understand other than like the robots are taking over, like beyond well, like, what it actually could mean for us. That's one of the things, one of the articles, like basically someone was like i have so much and now you want me to worry about the slim possibility of a super like i don't have time to worry about yeah, there's that there's just too many too many possible scenarios in this right well which 
To that point, uh, most of the searches that currently pop up when you search danger of AI have to do with avoiding misinformation, Mm. uh, maintaining professional slash academic integrity, or cybersecurity concerns like phishing. That's fair. Because, you know, they can use these AIs to create emails or other things. So it's not really like conspiracy danger. It's more just like how to not run into problems on the internet. Perhaps most of the public isn't concerned about AI because they already engage with it every day. Digital Mm -hmm. personal assistants like Siri or Alexa, help chats on websites or even in your bank app. Like I know I can go in there and be like, what's my FICO score (laughs) or whatever. Also, shout out to the food robots at Mason where I work. There are little robots that you can order through an app and they go to the restaurant and the restaurant puts your food in and then they drive to you and i think they're really cute i always say i'm always very polite to them just as i when i was doing this ai i said please yeah every time i because just in case just in case at least they'll know that i was polite right i love the little i love the little guys at mason they're so cute they're very cute shout out to s hala and the article that they wrote about the Applied Psychology and Autonomous System, or Alpha's lab that's at Mason. Alpha's studies how to make robots, computer agents, and artificial intelligence into better teammates, partners, and companions. That's a quote. And you can read the article. I love in it. In the show notes if Yay you want. Yay, Holland. Yeah. Any final thoughts before we move on? Mm, no. Great. Well, then, speaking of (laughs) Holland, we have a mailbag. Yay! Can I read it? Yeah. Yay! All right. For the first time in a long time, it's time for a mailbag moment. So enjoy this uh, theme music. Thanks, Leem. Thank you for the theme music. It yeah. is much appreciated. All right. So this is from Sarah Holland, friend of the pod. Yes. Friend of ours. Title is Bunny Man Plus Video Games. Hello, ghoulie ghosties. Yes, there is a female killed in Dead by Daylight, a game in which you either run around as the killer or you run around as a survivor trying to escape who has bunny ears, a hatchet, and hums a Russian lullaby while walking around. Mm. Terrifying. Her lore is pretty far removed from the bunny man legend of Fairfax. She's Russian, hence the lullaby, lived alone in the wilderness after the tragic death of her mother, does turn to killing humans but spares little girls, but her legend in the game is one of killing men and eating small children. Oh. She was also nicknamed Bear in development, suggesting that her original design utilized bear motifs instead of the hair, and they included a link to Dead by Daylight fandom. Oh, cute. We're not going to look at that because we're scared. I'm terrified. (laughs) Interestingly enough, the game prefers to use pop culture icons as their killers. Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, Pyramid Head, etc. 
or create entirely original characters and doesn't seem to rely much on folk legends and lore, no cryptids in sight. So if I had to guess, the Huntress was probably not inspired by the Bunny Man, and it's just a coincidence that they share the bunny persona. She has far more ties to Russian folklore than the folklore of a Fairfax bridge. Bummer. Anyways, that's a long way of saying that the Wikipedia is probably wrong. (laughs) But in my research, it did seem like the Bunny Man legend was a common guess as to who the new killer was when the silhouette was teased prior to release. So I guess it's kind of folklore in and of itself that she's associated with the Bunny Man legend, despite having no evidence of relation. Folklore is wild, y'all. No (laughs) sign-off. But whatever. I'm not in charge. I'm not in charge. That's the sign-off I'm giving, S. Hala. Thank you so much for writing in, yeah. our resident folklorist. Yes. Um, Thank you. S. Hala. Hello. If you have feedback, thoughts, feelings. Concerns. Anything, feel free to write in. We love to hear from y'all. Always. And until next time, remember, this podcast doesn't exist. And neither does the Swatch Watch Killer. But isn't that such a good name? I'm so angry. Like, it was so dumb. It's so good. But, like, it came to me in the middle of the night. I was like, <gasps> my eyes popped open. And I was like, that has to Wait, be. Wait, you came up with that? Yeah. I was like. Here I am criticizing the fact that there's three. I'm like, <laughs> dear chat AI, could you please write a 20-minute podcast, true crime podcast script <laughs> on a killer named, uh, or a criminal named the Swatch Watch Killer? XOXO, Shannon. It's so good. I'm so angry. (laughs) All right. Bye. We love you. Bye. I hate this. (laughs) That was good.